Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. Now, originally, I was not going to be putting out an episode in August because I was busy traveling Alberta, visiting historical sites. But then, an election was called, and I decided it would be very interesting and kind of cool to do 36 straight episodes, one for every single day of the election campaign, looking at every single election in Canadian history. So, that's what I'm doing. From today until, I believe, September 20th, there's going to be an episode of From John to Justin, and then from that point on, we'll return to looking at the opposition leaders who never became Prime Minister. You may also notice that I sound a bit different, and that's because I bought a new microphone, and I hope it sounds pretty good. Of course, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon for $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. I do have some new patrons, and I'll be giving them a proper shout-out on a new episode when we look at the opposition leaders in September. I also want to give a shout-out to somebody who gave a great review of the podcast, and I'll be doing the same when we return to doing opposition leader episodes. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. There's a common misconception that Sir John A. Macdonald was elected as Canada's first Prime Minister when Canada became a country on July 1st. In fact, he was chosen by the Governor-General at the time to lead the country, and the first election in Canadian history would not take place until several months later. That election ran over a month, with votes being tallied from August 7th to September 20th. With the first of my 36 episodes on elections in Canadian history, I'm going to dive into the first three today, beginning with 1867, of course. The 1867 election would be the only one that would see just the original provinces of Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia take part. At the time, there were three main parties all vying for control of the House of Commons. The Conservatives, also known as the Liberal Conservatives, the Liberal Party, and the Anti-Confederation Party. Yes, you heard that right. There was a party that was against Confederation running in the election that came just after Confederation. The Conservatives were led by Canada's first Prime Minister, Sir John E. Macdonald, while the Liberals were without a leader, but George Brown was unofficially the leader at the time. Joseph Howe, who had served as the Premier of the Colony of Nova Scotia from 1860 to 1863, led the Anti-Confederation Party. The sentiment in Nova Scotia was very much against joining Confederation, and it was through the efforts of Premier Charles Tupper, himself a future Prime Minister, that Nova Scotia joined Canada in 1867. As I stated previously, the election took a bit of time due to the limitations of the time, and it was not a secret ballot. You had to announce who you were voting for when you went to vote. In all, 74.3% of all eligible voters would vote. When the election was called, the Conservative government opened polls in districts that felt it would win quickly, then gradually opened polling in tougher districts in the hope that voters would be swayed in their decision by early victories for the Conservatives in other districts. At the time, there was also no Canada Elections Act, and election practices just continued from the colonial period for each province. Restrictions were also placed on who could vote. Obviously, women couldn't vote yet, but in Ontario, an owner or tenant had to have property worth $200 in an urban area, 
or $100 in a rural area to be able to vote. This meant that only 16.5% of adults in Ontario were enfranchised to vote in 1867. As well, anyone who was a judge, magistrate, police, or prosecutor, as well as anyone in the civil service, were excluded from voting. Indigenous who met the property qualifications were excluded as well, even though they should have been allowed based on the property rules. In all, 11% of the total population of Canada were eligible to vote in the election. Anyone excluded from voting in provincial elections under provincial rules were also excluded federally. At the same time of the federal election, the provinces, such as Quebec, were hosting provincial elections, making for a very busy summer. An interesting event would occur in the Kamaraska district in the province when a riot broke out on nomination day. At the nomination meeting, all candidates were proposed in a single open meeting that quickly descended into rioting and anger, forcing the returning officer to take refuge from the rioters. No nominations were set forward, and as a result, no one from the district went to the House of Commons, and would not until 1869, when a by-election was held. At another nomination meeting, the Liberals charged that the presiding officer heard the names of the Conservative nominee, but not the Liberal nominee, and the Conservative candidate was chosen by acclamation as a result. In the 1867 election, Macdonald and the Conservatives cruised to a majority government with 100 seats, taking 34.8% of the vote. The Liberals took 62 seats, while the Anti-Confederation Party picked up 18 seats, all from Nova Scotia. In fact, 18 of the 19 available seats in Nova Scotia went to the Anti-Confederation Party. Of the three parties to exist in this election, only the Conservatives and Liberals would be around for the next election. When Britain refused to allow Nova Scotia to succeed, the movement died away, and 11 of the 18 anti-Confederation MPs would move over to the Conservatives. Fast forward four years and we come to 1872 and a very different looking Canada. By this point, the size of Canada had increased greatly with the addition of the large province of British Columbia and Manitoba, which at this point was one-eighth the size it would eventually be. The Liberal Party was still not led by an official leader, but Edward Blake took on the role as an unofficial leader, while Sir John A. Macdonald continued to lead the Conservatives. By this point, the dual mandates had been abolished, which meant that a person could not serve in the House of Commons and the legislature at the same time, which pushed Blake to focus on the House of Commons. At the time, British Columbia had six seats in the House of Commons, while Manitoba had four. The size of the House of Commons had also increased from 162 seats to 200, and over the previous five years, the fortunes of the Conservative Party had changed as well. The country was dealing with tough economic times, and the country was feeling divided over the promised railway to connect British Columbia to the rest of the province. While the previous election had run for six weeks, the 1872 election would run for three months from July 20th, 1872 to October 12th, 1872. Even though the House of Commons had increased its seat count, the Conservatives still only finished with 100 seats in the House of Commons, while the Liberals picked up an extra 33 seats from their 1867 total, coming within six seats of defeating the Conservatives to lead the country. The new provinces were mostly split in votes. The Conservatives picked up four seats in BC, while the Liberals had two. In Manitoba, the Conservatives had two seats, while the Liberals had one. And the real gain for the Liberals was in Ontario, where future Prime Minister Alexander Mackenzie campaigned heavily for the party. In that province, the party had 48 seats to 38 by the Conservatives. In Quebec, the Conservatives made up the ground with 37 seats to the Liberals' 27. 
At the same time, there was still not a ballot and simply a proclamation of who you would vote for. Those who opposed the ballot, including an unnamed MP, stated, quote, A workman, for example, having promised his employer to vote one way, would vote another. End quote. New Brunswick was the only province to actually have ballots, which it adopted in 1855, after several riots led to deaths during elections. With the Conservatives at 100 seats and the Liberals at 95, along with five independents, this created Canada's first minority government. Macdonald was forced to work with the independents in order to have a functional majority over the Liberals. Of course, the real story of the 1872 election would come out afterwards, when it was discovered that Sir Hugh Allen and an American industrialist had provided $350,000 to the Conservative Party for the campaign in exchange for being granted the charter to build the Transcontinental Railway. This would become known as the Pacific Scandal, and it would reshape the political landscape of Canada for the next half decade. I covered this in my episode about the Pacific Scandal on Coast to Coast, so go check it out. In 1873, the Conservative government would fall, and Sir John A. Macdonald would resign as Prime Minister amid the Pacific Scandal. This would bring the Liberals to power for the first time, and in the subsequent 1874 election, the first held on a single day, January 22nd, they would retain that hold on power. The House of Commons once again increased, this time by six seats to 206, and Prince Edward Island had joined Canada by this point as well. The biggest change to come from this election was the use of secret ballots in most places, which were implemented to prevent parties from influencing voters to vote one way or another. Even with the decision to implement secret ballots, there was still opposition. Antoine Dorian, a Liberal MP, would say of that opposition, quote, Those opposed are afraid that if the ballot was adopted, they might not be sure of getting the votes after having bought them. End quote. The Liberals would pick up 34 seats, finishing with 129 seats. They were led, officially this time, by Alexander Mackenzie, who would now become the second Prime Minister of Canada. Sir Johnny Macdonald and the Conservatives suffered a collapse, losing 35 seats and becoming the official opposition for the first time. There were also 12 independents, many of which were from the Conservatives and had left the party after the scandal. Across the country, the Liberals tended to win each province, with Ontario being the biggest win. The Liberals picked up 61 seats, while the Conservatives only had 25. It was closer in Quebec, with the Liberals having 34 seats to the 29 of the Conservatives. The new province of Prince Edward Island was overwhelmingly Liberal, as the party picked up five of the six seats on the island province. Many consider the 1874 election to be one of, if not the most corrupt in Canadian history. Of the 206 MPs elected, 65 of the seats were contested on grounds of corruption. This may seem like it was just sour grapes for those who lost, but in fact, only two petitions were dismissed and only 14 members were confirmed in their seats. A total of 30 Liberals and 19 Conservatives were unseated. In Cornwall, Ontario, during one hearing, a man named Charles Mullins stated that he was going to vote for Dr. Darby Bergen, but Alexander Macdonald supporters grabbed him and drove him in a sleigh 20 kilometers out of town and left him there, unable to get back in time to vote. Another election worker admitted that he gave an elector $20 for a pig worth only $8 and then never delivered the pig. The judge that presided over this case stated that $3 was paid for each vote that MacDonald received in that riding, and the election was voided. In London, Ontario, Major John Walker ran as an independent liberal and defeated Sir John Carling, the Conservative candidate. He won by only 61 votes, but was charged by Carling of bribery. 
Several witnesses came forward, and 16 of them, including a former mayor, were proven guilty of corrupt practices. It was estimated $50 was given for every vote in that election, and the Chief Justice, who looked over the election in that writing, stated the election was, quote, tainted and voided by wholesale corruption, end quote. Of course, Walker was unseated, and in the new by-election, Carling won. I hope you enjoyed my look at the first three elections in Canadian history, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons, and if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, one anonymous person who I really appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, and Iris Gray. Information from McLean's, Wikipedia, Montipedia, and Dynasties and Interludes. Thanks. See you again next time.